Hey guys, welcome to The View from the Front. My name is Stan, and I hope you're doing well from wherever you're joining us from. I'm honored you're here. Truly, it means the world to me, and not just personally, but it also makes my day because I know that if you're listening to this, you probably care about America, and so that makes me feel good. We have a lot to cover in tonight's episode, and I can't wait to get into it. But first, just in case this is the first time you've ever tuned in, let me tell you what the show is about. Every week I try to do three things. First, I cover defense news and hot spots happening around the world that could affect our country. Secondly, I work to unite the nation, make you feel a little better, more optimistic about the country's future, because it's probably not as bad as you've been hearing. And then finally, at the end of each episode, I share some motivation and inspiration, because as you get older, it is easy to become diminished and pessimistic as you encounter all the hits and setbacks that life throws at you. I want to help you fight back against that. In all honesty, I feel like that by the end of this show, you'll be a little better informed about our military and the events happening out there that don't typically make the news. You'll be a little more positive about our country and its future. And then finally, you'll be a little stronger emotionally and mentally. That's what my goal is, and I try to do that while working my hardest to unify our country. Because without question, our wide division and animosity toward each other is our country's greatest threat. So if you've been looking for a calmer, more optimistic news source, you've come to the right place. In fact, you've probably come to about the only place. We'll get started tonight with a little bit of good news. What I'll kind of calling a timeline cleanser. We all hear so much bad news, so I wanted to start with something positive. Now that positive bit of news involves uh, some conservation efforts that are happening down in Florida. And there was a new record set with the amount of manatees that were counted in this annual event they do. And so this year they counted 932 which wasn't just a record, so almost a thousand. It wasn't just a record. It blew past previous records, including one year when they counted 736. And even crazier, 40 years ago, there were only 49. So they went from 49 or just under 50 to almost a thousand in 40 years. So that's great news. And so I wanted to just share a little good news to start the show because we hear nothing but negative stuff all the time. And to me, conservation is one of those things where it shouldn't be a conservative or a liberal issue. It's something we should all agree on. And I think for most of the country, we do agree on it. Who doesn't want to save as many trees and as in nature out there as possible? So start with a little good news. We're not going to let the political parties divide us on trying to save as much wildlife as possible while also not you know completely constricting our ability to grow the economy. So I think there's a balance, and I think we do a decent job of balancing that. So sometimes we should pat ourselves on the backs, because we are making some progress, even with all the division and animosity that goes back and forth. All right, so let's begin by updating two stories from the last podcast. Now, if by chance you're not signed up to my email newsletter list, there were two things that happened since the last episode, both of which I sent a email out to update folks. And I'm actually kind of feeling pretty good because if you are just a podcast listener or one of those people watching on YouTube, you know I mentioned two things that could potentially happen in the last podcast. 
The first thing I mentioned was that I thought the EU or European Union would potentially pass this huge uh, funding bill for Ukraine, about $50 billion. And I said, I thought that could happen pretty soon, maybe even the next week starting like on Monday of this week. Well, of course, as anyone who got my newsletter knows, it actually was approved on Friday, the day after the podcast. So I sent a newsletter out about that. If by chance you didn't get that, you can go to my uh, to the details of this episode and actually read about it. But it ended up being a $54 billion uh, package for Ukraine. Pretty big deal. You can get the details in the link I'm going to put in the episode notes because I don't want to go over that again for those who already read it. The other thing in that newsletter that was pretty big news for Ukraine, just in case you don't you know, get the newsletter or did not hear this because it didn't make mainstream news at all, but Ukraine also sank another ship since the last episode. It was a Russian Corvette. I've got the details of that in the link. You can see the size of the ship. You can see video of the ship being attacked. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, make sure you check out the episode notes because it's a pretty big story for Ukraine. Now, the second thing that's a follow-up from the last uh, podcast involves the strikes that I thought could happen at any time. And if you recall on the podcast, I said, hey, they may even start on Friday. Guess what? They started Friday, late Friday afternoon slash Friday night. So I put out a newsletter, like emergency episode on that with some of the details of the strikes, how many troops are in the region, what President Biden was saying, how many areas were attacked, how they were attacked, all of that stuff. So if you haven't signed up for the email list, definitely do so. I try to send out any kind of big news like that, just keep you guys informed. So I'm not going to go over that stuff, but I have links in the episode notes if you want, if you have no idea what I'm talking about and want to get caught up. But both of those bits of news are from last week, and they're kind of dated, so I don't intend to spend much time on them. Now, the next thing I want to cover is I want to update a story involving the Americans who were killed inside Jordan. And I want to start by showing you where that base is and why it is so centrally located. So let me see if I can't share my screen here, which I probably can't do while I'm... All right. All right, so you should be able to see the screen now. Let me make sure that you are, yeah. So this screen, this illustration shows where Tower 22 is, and you can see how it's in the western corner of Iraq and how it's right near the southern part of Syria where it's near Saudi Arabia. And I want to share that with you just so you have an idea of what I'm talking about before I share these details. Now, if you're listening to the audio podcast version, you can see an illustration in the episode notes. But let me just briefly go over an update to the story that happened in the past couple of weeks. Okay, so as an update to that story, so Tower 22 has about 350 American troops in it. They are almost all non-combat support personnel who do an important job. Obviously, Anytime you have troops somewhere, they have to be supplied with fuel, food, ammunition, etc. And most people who haven't been in the military don't think about those things because when we watch war movies or anything exciting like that, 
Those are the kind of things that don't make the script. They're just not very exciting, but it's very important work. So Tower 22 has about 350 U.S. troops who are support personnel. They're supporting a military garrison that is called Al-Tomth, which is just across the border, border in Syria. Now, the 200 soldiers in Al-Tomth often come under attack, and they're doing some important work, involves some special forces folks and some others that you would typically imagine when, of, imagine when you think of U.S. troops. So I wanted to share just a couple of things. The Washington Post did a little bit of a deep dive on why are these troops here? What are they doing? And as I showed with that map, they're doing something very important. They're actually cutting off the access and the routes of two different groups. First, ISIS, which is, of course, the Al-Qaeda-linked terrorist group that we've been fighting with the help of Iraq and um, some other forces in the Kurds for more than a decade now. So that area, which you saw on the map, these bases are used to stop the supply and arming and some of the efforts of ISIS. At the same time, they also prevent and kind of inhibit Iran from shipping weapons and supplies from all the way to the east where Iran is through that area toward Israel to supply Hezbollah, to supply Hamas. So these bases are very important, and that is why they are consistently being attacked, because Iran definitely wants us out of there. They want to weaken our influence in the area. And so U.S. leaders, some generals and some other officers who've spoken off the record, have started sharing some more about what these bases are doing, because after Americans die, as is so often the case, the American public says, why are we there? Is the cost too high? This doesn't make sense. And unfortunately, American attention spans are usually very short. And so no one really pays attention until something bad happens. So even though they've been there for years and years and years, it wasn't until these casualties happened and the bombing campaign that followed that suddenly people are asking questions and the military sharing just a little bit more about the situation. I'll put a free gift link to the Washington Post article so that you can read just a little bit more about it, more than we can compress into a short time limit on this podcast, so that you can read a bit more about it if you're interested. Okay, another story involving the United States I wanted to make sure I shared tonight was the funding for Ukraine. So there have been two big things that Ukraine has needed. One was U.S. funding, one was funding from the European Union. The European Union has done its part. The European Union has now far exceeded U.S. funding for assisting Ukraine as it fights off the Russian invasion. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you know that in November, early December, I kept thinking, hey, at some point the U.S. Congress might get a bill passed, and then we started moving toward Christmas, and I'm like, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen before Christmas, and then Congress started saying, hey, maybe beginning of January. Now, unfortunately, going back to November, the Republicans wanted to tie a border bill with a funding bill of Ukraine, with including funding for Israel and Taiwan as well. So they take all four of these things, put them in a big package. So the Democrats and Republicans have been hammering this out for weeks and weeks and weeks. Working through the break of Christmas and New Year, they started to 
begin to get closer to put the bill out to public. And as anyone who's kept up with the news at all knows, former President Trump said, hey, this is, don't pass it. He wants to kill it. And so almost immediately, all the support for it drained away. Now, Senator Langford out of Oklahoma has been, he's a Republican who helped negotiate it. He has been pushing back, talking about how important it is, but unfortunately, former President Trump wants to kill the bill, and it looks like it's probably going to kill or be killed. So that leaves a lot of Ukrainian civilians at pretty serious risk because, as you know, Ukrainian forces are limited on ammunition on the front lines, and the Russians have been making some small gains as they've sensed this opportunity. That is very real. So I'm hoping the pressure will begin to mount against Republicans and former President Trump to allow some kind of Ukrainian bill to be passed. There was an Israeli bill that was a standalone bill that failed. I'm not sure how it's all going to play out in the next week or so, but I do know and I still believe that a decent number of Republicans that are in the House of Representatives and in the Senate want to pass some kind of bill. We know the Democrats do, so I keep thinking that Somehow they will eke out at least the portion to fund Israel, which is a big, important issue for many of those on the right. And the Ukraine thing is pretty split on the right and is definitely something that those in the middle and on the left want to fund. So hoping something happens there, but I know most of you guys have probably heard all that news, but I did want to mention it because... The most horrible thought to consider is that nothing happens and that we start to pack or grind in through the spring and the summer and all the way to November. That is a nightmare scenario to think that we could leave the Ukrainian people hanging. Now, you, the United States has fallen short of supporting its allies in the past. We can name several groups that we've left high and dry. But this would be one of the larger, situ, you know, probably one of the largest groups or situations that we have just dropped the ball on. So I'm hoping, hoping, keeping my fingers crossed, especially for the good of the Ukrainian people, but also for the good of, you know, U.S. forces, because the reality is, is if Ukraine doesn't get the same munition, if it, if Putin was to be emboldened and start taking more land, most analysts think that he will start to see NATO as a paper tiger he will see NATO as something that is kind of an alliance on paper, but isn't very real, and that he could start messing with Baltic states, which are members of NATO, a little bit more. He's already doing some things like messing with their GPS, some of the communication systems, doing small things to just see how far he can push. And so that's the fear, is that we cannot show too much weakness because China is watching, Russia is watching, and certainly Iran is watching, North Korea is watching, so you can't... Your, your word has to mean something when you deal with foreign affairs. So let's hope something happens there. I would definitely, if the Congress were to do something, send something out. But it would be such huge news, you'd probably catch it anyway. So, so maybe I will or won't. But let's hope something happens because it is becoming increasingly dire for some type of aid package to be passed. All right, so let's update the story about the Secretary of Defense. Just a brief little update on that. He obviously it made big news when he kind of went off the grid. No one really knew where he was for a day or so. That was pretty big news. And although I am a big fan of Secretary Austin, who's a retired general, I obviously was pretty frustrated about that as well. He has done a 
kind of public apology, made some comments. And he entered the Pentagon briefing room. He actually had a visible limp. Uh, reporters did notice that. They mentioned that. And that, um, let me just read just a couple of things he said. He, of course, apologized to his colleagues and the American public. And I want to read it. He said, I want to be crystal clear. We did not handle this right. And I did not handle, uh, we did not handle this right. And I did not handle this right. I should have told the president about my cancer diagnosis. I should have also told my team and the American public, and I take full responsibility, Austin said. He said, I quote, I apologize to my teammates and to the American people. Then he went on to say, quote, as a rule, I don't talk about conversations with my boss, but I can tell you I have apologized directly to President Biden, and I've told him that I'm deeply sorry for not letting him know immediately that I have received a heavy diagnosis and was getting treatment. And he has responded with a grace and warm heart that anyone who knows President Biden would expect. So that's just a brief update on that. Unfortunately for Secretary Austin, his troubles are not quite over yet as he is going to have to testify in front of Congress. You guys know anytime there's a congressional hearing, it is an absolute clown show so there will be lots of people yelling at him trying to embarrass him and he will be treated horribly and so some of it a small amount of it is is justified but what our public servants have to go through sometimes it's no wonder that more people aren't willing to run for office or public service because it's it will be a clown show when it happens we're going to get to one more news story and then to the uh, motivation and inspiration section. But I did want to mention, just in case, as I try to do every episode, just in case you didn't know, there's a way to support the show. You can sign up for $5 per month. You can do that through Substack or through Patreon. It's a great way to support the show. Obviously, I love doing this. And as we get more supporters, hopefully I can put a little bit more time and effort and you know, it's really time and effort, which it's not that there's any cost to this, but there is a time cost. And just like you guys, I work a day job, so nowhere near doing this full time. But I am honored by those who do support the show already. And if that's something you can do or want to do, that would be awesome. So let's move to a final news story. I wanted to do an update. We talked last week about Ukraine potentially getting rid of its top general. And I wanted to just do a update. President Zelensky did do an interview with an Italian news station, and he did confirm that he's considering getting rid of it. And I wanted to read a couple of quotes from that. Now, we're talking about General uh, Valery Zaluzny. He's pretty popular, but he has been there for a bit. And as part of the kind of the overview of the comments, Zelensky said that he's contemplating the move to ensure the country, meaning Ukraine, is led by individuals who are, quote, convinced of victory, end quote, against Russia. Now, if this is the first time you've ever listened to the show, you know, going back several months that uh, Zaluzny had done an interview with The Economist, and he was the first to use the word stalemate when most Western analysts were still hoping that Ukraine could have some kind of breakthrough. That was not good timing. It Zelen uh, President Zelensky was surprised by the news, probably not happy. And I even speculated back then he might get fired. But let me just read a couple of quotes. 
So in this interview, Zelensky says that it, it's he's going to replace more than, or he's considering replacing more than just um, Zeluzny. And he says, so again, it's not just Zeluzny, it may be some others. He said, quote, a reset, a new beginning is necessary. He said, this is not about a single person, but about the direction of the country's leadership. And then Zelensky adds, I'm thinking about this replacement, but you can't say here we replaced a single person. When we talk about this, I mean a replacement of a series of state leaders, not just in a single sector like the military. If we want to win, we must all push in the same direction, convinced of victory. We cannot be discouraged or let our arms fall. We must have the right positive energy. So that's his quote. Now, one other small footnote to the story is that Zaluzny had, the general, asked for a lot more troops. And so there was this friction between the military commander saying that he needed way more and then Zelensky worrying that it might depress or hurt the morale of the Ukrainian people to have the numbers increased by that much, as well as the economy, because as you shift all these men and women to the front lines, it does affect the economy. you got to pay these folks, and they can't work. So that was kind of a controversial situation that also had happened a couple of months ago. So there's a chance that Zaluzny might be a little beaten down by all the casualties he's seen and the frustrations of what happens in war. There's also a chance that maybe Zelensky's not being completely realistic. Those are just the kind of things that happen between a civilian leader and a military commander. You can read that throughout history. Good example is the Civil War when you had President Abraham Lincoln constantly having to change generals as they would fight these very bloody battles and almost become, I don't want to say gunshot, but just very worn down and afraid to push too hard. So that's potentially some of the things that's happening in this situation. All right, so this is the motivation and inspiration section. I share these each week because I think all of us could use a few words of encouragement. And I think it's important that we all remember that we all influence those around us. The work we do at our jobs, in our homes, and in our communities It is important, and so we can't ever forget that. So let's all dig a little deeper. Let's step up our game for our customers, our kids, our spouse, our friends. Let's all spread a little more love and a few more smiles. So here is the first one. This is a quote from Ernest Hemingway. Never mistake motion for action. Man, that's a good one. Never mistake motion for action. We all know those people who just, they're running around like crazy, but they're not really making progress on their goals. So make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, not just the busy work that doesn't matter. Again, never mistake motion for action. All right, here's the next one. Life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Man, that's good. Life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage courage right here's the next one one needs something to believe in something for which one can have wholehearted enthusiasm 
One needs to feel that one's life has meaning, that one is needed in this world. It's a pretty good one. So you gotta have something that you can believe in, something for which you are wholeheartedly wholeheartedly enthusiastic. Alright, here's the next one. This is a quote from Dolly Parton. I thought it was pretty good. We cannot direct the wind, but we can adjust the sails. Gosh, that is so good. We cannot direct the wind, but we can adjust the sails. The next one's a quote from Helen Keller. Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. So again, optimism is a faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. You have to be optimistic. It's so simple, but it's so true. You have to be optimistic. All right, the next one. We'll do one more. Act as if what you do makes a difference. It does. Again, act as if what you do makes a difference. It does. Then I always like to share a couple from the Bible, just because the Bible has been such a source of strength and wisdom and even calm for me during the past year. So this first one's from Psalms chapter 145, verse 9. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Again, that one is, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And then the next one's from Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we just got to be patient, right? We're getting better, but day by day or week by week, you don't notice it. But again, the quote is, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So that's a good one there as well. I always like to end with this one. Be the reason someone smiles. Be the reason someone feels loved and believes in the goodness of people. I mean, that's the goal, right? Regardless of your faith, be a decent human being. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So thanks so much for joining us on this episode. I hope as you go through this week that you act a little nicer on social media and in the world as well as you go about your errands and all. I know social media is really what gets us in trouble because for many of the people out there, you are anonymous and so you're more willing to kind of spout off at the mouth. But just remember that most Americans are good and they would help you in an emergency even if you don't agree politically. Now, I do have to finish with two things. I want to say a bit about myself and my books, just in case you're new to the show. And then I want to say some words for those who are struggling with PTSD or mental illness, which I do every single show because veterans are 57% higher risk of suicide than their peers of the same age group who haven't served. So first, just a bit about myself and my books. I am a military vet. I spent four years in the Marine Corps all of that time in the infantry. After my enlistment, I went to college at the University of Tennessee. I became a journalist. I spent more than 10 years in the news business. And besides all that, I've written 12 books. Those books include a series about a Marine Corps sniper, several novels about a police detective, and a private investigator. Those are both veterans as well. And I've written a few books about war, such as World War II and Afghanistan. And these books have thankfully been decently successful thanks to all of your all's help. And in fact, I've been fortunate enough to have sold 70,000 copies. So if you're one of those who have bought a copy, I really, really appreciate it. If you're one of those who've told a friend or someone, 
Really appreciate that as well. If you've never seen them, have no idea where to find them, there are links in the episode notes. Or you can go to Amazon and just type in Stan R. Mitchell. Make sure you include the R or it will not come up. Now, secondly, I have to talk about PTSD and suicide for just a moment since veterans are at a 57% higher chance of suicide, which is just horrific. But this isn't just for veterans, it's for all of us, because all of us can get in really low spots in our life. But I think it's important that we remember it's just a season, it's just a valley. So if you're having serious issues, you can actually call someone. You can call 988 and select 1. Again, 988, select 1. That'll get you to a crisis line responder and that's anytime, day or night, 24-7, and you don't even have to be military. That's veteran or civilian. But let's be real. I know it's hard to do that. I know most of you won't. So I'm going to be just a little mean here, even though I'm normally an encourager. Sometimes I think you got to be a little mean. So I have to say, you cannot give up. Do not lose this fight. Do not make your parents or your family have to plan your fu- your funeral. Don't make them feel guilty they didn't check on you that they couldn't reach you, that you're, you know, something was going on, you were just impossible for them to get through to. You can hold on another day, and if you do, every day gets a little bit easier. So if you're in a fight anywhere you may lose, definitely call someone. Call a family member, a friend, or you can call 988-SELECT-1. But I do have to be mean. You cannot quit. Don't do this to your family or friends. Remember, you're just in a valley. The world needs you. Someday, your parents are going to need you. Because seriously, who's going to take care of your parents in 30 years? And I say that just because you know I'm helping take care of my dad right now. Last year I had to take care of my mom some uh, with a lot of other family members before she passed. But think about your own situation. Who's going to do it? Are you just going to let the system take care of them? I mean, how horrible is that? So you cannot quit. So don't you dare make that mistake. And think about There's something for you out there that you're meant to do. You just can't see it because you're in this immediate fog and pain and you can't see the end result. There's a mission out there for you. Maybe it's Coach Little League. Help others who are struggling with PTSD. Run for office. There's something that, there's some calling. There's something out there for you to do. You just haven't found it. But please, just get involved. Stop isolating yourself. Visit a veterans group. Visit a church near you. Visit some family that you've lost touch with or you've grown apart from. Reach out to an old friend. One from high school. They're probably dying to talk to you. And so that's what I want to do is just beg of you to do that. Or you can call 988-SELECT-1. always also mention you can start moving toward God because I believe that Jesus is like right there by your side right now at this very moment. And he's just waiting for you to reach out to him, to ask him for help. So you can call out his name and ask for salvation. Or if you have some other kind of faith, you can definitely lean on that. But if you don't, like consider reaching out to Jesus. I think... And I know, speaking from ways he's helped me, that he can drive out the devil and all of those horrendous, evil thoughts that are in your head. They've been in mine too, but he wants to reach you. You can reach him anytime. You can pray. You can read the Bible some. If you don't have a Bible, you can download a Bible app. You can look up Bible websites online. Even simpler, on my episode notes, I think I have something that might help you. It's a story about my dog who was just a stray dog that we rescued. Adopted from a shelter. The title of the article is Be Like Ozzy, Go Near Your Master. And um, it's a pretty good little article, I think, that it's helped some people. So give that a read. I think it'll help. Or just start reading the Bible. You can read some of Psalms 
or Proverbs or start with the New Testament with Matthew. All of that stuff you can find. And I think as you read the Bible, it'll start drawing you in and changing your life. So, hey, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you, uh, as I like to always remind people, if you want to reach out to me, you can comment. You can, I'll try to monitor those. Or you could just reach out privately by email. Uh, my email address is authorstanrmitchell at yahoo.com. Again, that's authorstanrmitchell at yahoo.com. You can say hello. You can vent, send news tips. I love all those things. If you want to get some of my political views, um, I do have a moderate kind of optimistic view of politics, and you can find those through a link in the episode notes as well. That's called Thoughts from a Southern Gentleman, and I put that in the link as well. But thanks for hanging me, hanging with me tonight. It's truly an honor to talk with each of you every week and to know that there's a few out there who are listening, who care about our country and our military and all these issues the same way I do. So I love you all. Never forget that God loves you more. I will catch you next week. You have been listening to The View from the Front. My name is Stan, and I am out.